One guest, 10 songs, 10 reasons. Music was my first love on Radio Glamorgan. My guest on this edition of Music was my first love, the 50th guest to appear on the award-winning series, is a child of Pontradaffin near Neath, who has gone on to become one of the world's leading sopranos. Since studying at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, she has performed regularly at the Welsh National Opera, the Royal Opera House Covent Garden, English National Opera and the Bavarian State Opera in Munich. She has performed in America where she sang Susanna in The Marriage of Figaro for the Santa Fe Opera, Adele in De Fledermouse for the Chicago Lyric Opera and performed also for the San Francisco and Metropolitan Operas. I'm talking, of course, about Rebecca Evans, CBE, and we'll hear from Rebecca after her first choice, which is from Anne. Rebecca Evans, welcome to Radio Glamorgan's Music Was My First Love. Thank you very much indeed. It's such a pleasure to be here. It's lovely to have you. Tell me about your first choice from ABBA. Oh my goodness, if I thought about the hours I danced to that track when I actually was a nurse, a student nurse, and then a registered general nurse at Morriston Hospital, and we always used to have a Wednesday night out together, and whenever Abbott started playing, my goodness me, we danced the night away so happily, and sang along, of course, with all the lyrics. And it always seems to be that song, doesn't it? It's always that song, and I've got a bit of history with that song. One of my dearest friends, Amanda Rossiter, who's actually one of the lead health visitors uh, in South Wales now, whenever I went to her house, she knew how much I loved it. I always used to jump up and dance, and, uh, well, smashed many glasses, I have to say, (laughs) which were balanced precariously on her table. And, of course, me jumping up enthusiastically, off they fell, crash, bang, walloped to the floor. I hope they weren't full because that's a waste of good alcohol. Oh, golly, no. And, and actually, they weren't, didn't always have alcohol in them. We weren't, were sometimes very good girls indeed. Good. Was there music growing up at home, whether it be radio or records? Oh, my goodness me. Well, I was very lucky. I was steeped in an incredibly musical childhood. My mother had been a professional opera singer and was in the original Doily Cart Company and in the original Ivan Avello Company in London when she was a young girl and, uh, you know, made appearances in many of uh, Ivan Avello's premieres. And my father was blessed with the most glorious resonant baritone voice. So I grew up with symphonies and opera and operetta and you know various other singers I was steeped in it and bathed in it and so I think it was my destiny to finally find my way to being a huge part of the world of music so it was it was very much there from day one Definitely, definitely, yes. And how lucky was I, you know, for birthday presents, I didn't have dolls and things like that. I had Mozart operas conducted by Carl Berm. <laughs> <laughs> Your second choice, Rebecca, is Gypsies, Tramps and Thieves from Cher. Tell me about this one. Oh, well, Cher is actually one of my husband's favourite singers. And my goodness me, what a performer, what an artist. And this is another song that brings such joy into our household. If ever we're feeling a little bit down, we look at each other and we'll say, shall we put a little bit of share on? And she never, ever ceases to cheer us up, and particularly with this song. And, you know, recently her performance in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, we're such huge fans of this incredible artist that keeps going and going. The longevity of the performer mm. is immense. Gypsy, 
How old were you when you realised that you had this incredible gift from God, this voice? My mother would probably say three and a half because I could sing higher than she could even then. And uh, her being a soprano, I guess she knew. But I think probably when I was in junior school and we sang an assembly and people always used to turn around when I was singing, uh, which wasn't always a good thing because I was bullied actually for it for quite some time for being slightly different and having a different voice. But, um, you know, that, that it was what it was and I ignored it and got on with my love of singing. And then I was fortunate enough at 12 to audition for the West Glamorgan Youth Choir and I was successful and got in and then auditioned for the Chamber Choir when I was 14 and I was probably one of the youngest ones to get into the Chamber Choir. And I was spotted by my then music teacher, Joan Lewis, and gentleman who became my first singing teacher, Jason Shute, another Neath boy. And uh, he said, I really, really think you should pursue a career in singing eventually, but you need to start having singing lessons. And I would love to be the one to teach you. And, you know, my mother was very nervous about all this because she'd been through this crazy career. Eventually, I persuaded her and I went to Swansea University every Thursday night for singing lessons with Jason Shute. My parents actually loved that because they used to drop me off and then they used to walk down to Mumbles while I was having my lesson. And we were all having the time of our lives, really. Me and music and them enjoying the beautiful Mumbles scenery. Are your, are your parents still with us? Sadly not. They died within three weeks of each other ten years ago, and uh, that was one of the hardest things for me to bear. Yeah. Uh, as you can imagine, particularly, I'm an only child and had to bear this all on my own. Yeah. I mean, I've got an incredibly supportive husband and my son, but, you know, nevertheless, losing them together in such a short space of time was just sheer hell. Would they have seen a lot of, of your success? Oh, my goodness me, yes. My mother, who vowed never to get on a plane, came for my American debut in Santa oh. Fe to see my marriage of Figaro. Then they both came to New York to see my Metropolitan Opera debut. They came to San Francisco. You know, it enhanced all our lives. And I, I have to say, I, I don't want to be boastful about it, but I think particularly theirs because they met so so many wonderful colleagues of mm. mine and wonderful people and saw great opera houses great productions I mean my mother never would have imagined you know coming from Ponte de Ven going to the Metropolitan Opera and seeing not only me singing Marriage of Figaro but seeing a performance of Aida with live elephants on the stage <laughs> it was it, 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 it was incredible, incredible. It won't surprise anyone, Rebecca, that there are some wonderful vocalists amongst your choices. And an interesting choice of song for your third from George Michael's Songs from the Last Century album and the Ewan McCall composition, The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face. You a George Michael fan? Huge George Michael fan. He was an incredible musician. And the quality of his voice actually went straight into your heart. You know, you didn't have to be, be cerebral about George because he touched you with the first note that he ever sang. And maybe this wasn't the only version of this song that I could have chosen, but I have to say it's probably the choice that moves me more than anything to tears very often. And it's also one of my husband's favourites as well. And... Uh, 
golly, what an artist he was and how tragic that he was taken away from mm. us at such a young age on Christmas Day. You know, the irony of that when he brought so much joy to people, I think particularly at Christmas. For one so young, I think early 50s, so much more to give musically. Oh, without without a doubt. You know, he had... Well, he, he'd barely got started, had he? In the first time Ever I with you It really is a beautiful version, isn't it? Oh, it's glorious. It never fails to move me to tears. I've got a tear in my eye right now, actually, listening to that. What a boy he was. You trained as a nurse, but if I read this correctly... Yes. It was then Bryn Terfel who, who played a major influence on your life and career, didn't he, suggesting that you attend the Guildhall School of Music and Drama? Oh, yes, it was. It was Bryn Terfel and Alwyn Humphreys and the senior nursing officer, Yian Thomas. Those three gentlemen definitely had a huge uh, part in, in shaping my life, Bryn particularly. And uh, we met in the Skewen District Music Lovers Association annual concert when I was nursing in Morriston Hospital, I turned up for the rehearsal in the afternoon and I saw this young boy sitting next to the accompanist and I thought, oh, lover, she's brought her son to the rehearsal. <laughs> and suddenly this mountain of a man got up and stood in the pulpit and opened his mouth to sing Lord God of Abraham from Elijah. And I have to say I nearly fainted. <laughs> I'd never heard a voice like it in my life before or since really. Yeah. We were singing then the duet from Elijah together. And he turned to me afterwards and he said, so what do you do then? I said, well, I'm just completing the theatre nursing diploma uh, at Morrison Hospital and I've got a job and I'm probably going to have a junior theatre sisters post when I qualify. And he said, Rebecca Vach, he said, you're a fool. You need to go to the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. You need to go and study with Laura Sarti and you need to do it now. And I looked at him and I said, oh, OK, <laughs> because I was longing for somebody to say that to me because it was something I'd been desperate to do. But and it, and it was burning inside me. And there he was, the catalyst that triggered everything off, really. And, you know, we live next door to each other now. We've been friends ever since. Yes. We're like Anton Deck. You know, we can't be separated. <laughs> His family. And and my family and we're the greatest of friends and you know when when normality was here we'd walk together, we'd have cups of tea and cake together, we even sing across the garden together. Oh, it's lovely. so lovely. You you entered although you had this talent and you wanted you wanted to go to the Guildhall School, you'd headed down the, the road of nursing. Were you prepared for the life that you were gonna have with the fame and adulation that came with it? Well, I think my nursing career, which my father insisted upon, incidentally, he said, if you're going to go into the world of music, you need something to fall back on. Uh, you need an insurance policy. And my goodness me, he was absolutely right. And I have to say, the training I had there and then doing my theatre nursing diploma after I'd qualified totally grounded me and really prepared me for what was ahead of me. I, you know... I don't think there's a harder profession in the world than, than a nursing profession. And mm. my goodness me, particularly now with those angels yeah. and what they are facing every day and moment of their lives going through this 
horrendous crisis that the world is facing. But even then, it prepared me for, for what was to lie ahead. It, it prepared me for disappointment. It prepared me for success and uh, has certainly kept my feet on the ground. You know, the best friends that I have still really, apart from Bryn, uh, are my nursing colleagues and they've never let me be above my station. And my goodness me, why would I be? I sing at the end of the day. They save lives. You know, mm. you can't compare it. No. Tell me about your fourth choice from the wonderful Peggy Lee. Oh, the folks that live on the hill. Again, this is a, a song I grew up with and adore. I have visions back to number six, Queen Street in Pontry de Ven. And listening to this song, particularly on a Sunday morning, it was played. Again, my mother and I would always cry when I heard this song. And actually, it's become a favourite even more so now because whenever Beverly Humphreys plays this song on her programme on a Sunday night she always mentions my husband and I because we actually do now live on a hill in Penarth so you're the folks, and we you? are those folks we are the folks <laughs> that live on the hill we're not the youngsters anymore that can run up and down the hill <laughs> we are those folks that can be known as Jack and Jill that live on the hill in Penarth and I really think it's mine and Stephen's song and we just love it. The lyrics are beautiful and the quality of her voice is just beautiful. Someday we'll build a home on a hilltop high You and I well, Next choice, Rebecca, is from the man Michael Parkinson refers to as the governor. Uh, Frank Sinatra, tell me about New York, New York. Well, I had to pick this, really, because I've spent probably more time singing in New York than, than anywhere, really, apart from Cardiff Bay with the Wales Millennium Centre and Covent Garden, because I've been so fortunate enough to sing um, at the Metropolitan Opera many times. And my goodness me, that city is just one of the greatest cities in the world. And it's true, it never sleeps. If you want something to eat at three o'clock in the morning, which we've done coming out of an opera, actually, mm. and been starving, had dinner, then talked and talked and talked, and then we're starving again. And we've gone out and found something. There's there's a burger van or there's Dunkin' Donuts shop open or something. It's There's something available 24 hours a day. There are people walking the streets, people photographing the streets. It's one of the most glorious, vibrant cities. Central Park, where my son has built snow reindeers in the most incredible, you know, fierce winters, one of which I think they're having right now. I think they've recently had 22 inches of snow. Gosh. Yes, imagine that. There wouldn't be wellies deep enough to no. cover your legs to, to walk in that snow. Well, at least that will keep people at it's home. It's just been, let's hope so. Mm. Although, is it, you know, does it make it a super spreading event? Who knows? But for us, in days gone by, it's been a city full of happiness and excitement of music, laughter and joy. Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York And the Wichita lineman is still on the line. Oh, the Wichita lineman, my goodness me. I couldn't live without this song. 
If I ever I feel down in the dumps, this is the song I put on. If I feel happy, this is also the song that I put on. I love it. It's a song I've known forever. And I think it's also Aunt McPardon. I, I never know which is which, Aunt hmm. Deck. It's also his favourite song. <laughs> Even though I mentioned Aunt Deck, like Bryn and Rebecca, it's his favourite song as well. It's a song that just makes us happy when we're sad and happy when we're happy it's just glorious I wanted to ask you what the BBC proms are really like because I think only part of the atmosphere comes through the TV oh yes you really have to be there whether you're in the Albert Hall or whether you're on the stage in Singleton Park or one of the other lovely venues that BBC now use but it's such a special occasion and I've been very fortunate to sing in in many proms throughout my 36 year career golly that's a long time isn't it Mm. um and yes it's the promenaders whether they are in the albert hall standing whether they're in freezing to death in singleton park the atmosphere is just electric and i don't think it can be experienced anywhere else in the world really these are real music lovers and everybody's there for a good time to appreciate you know great music great performance great atmosphere with a picnic thrown in in singleton park (laughs) i also i also get the impression watching the last night of the problems that as long as you're prepared to have a good time and as long as you are a music lover you don't have to be an opera expert or lover oh no i think they're very very clever i think particularly in the uh, the regional proms that they include music for everybody and it isn't just about opera it's about making music accessible and fun which which is what it should be about really you mm. know it's how it makes you feel at the end of the day and i think it's it's got to, you you have to experience some fun and i think those events are just brilliant at doing that and you know having a little bit of something for everyone george michael peggy lee frank sinatra you've gone as i said earlier for some great singers among your choices to the surprise of no one and here's another and and arguably the most underrated of them all the late karen carpenter so so many great carpenter tracks to choose from uh any particular reason why yesterday once more well there's again there's a little story to this Linda Griffiths was my babysitter in Pontry de Ven when I was a little girl and she went on to become the uh, private secretary of David Diddy Hamilton at uh, Radio 1 it might have been Mm. those days and she said look she said I also know Ed Stewpot really well and I very often work on his junior choice program on a Sunday and I know it's your birthday coming up is there a song you'd like and I said oh yes I'd love the Osmonds' Crazy Horses. I'll see what I can do, she said. So she she rang my mother to say there was going to be a request and, you know, not to forget to listen. Well, I never missed it. It was my favourite radio programme. And so here Stupod came and uh, I understand it's the birthday of uh, Rebecca Evans today. She lives in a little village in South Wales and she has chosen Yesterday Once More by The Carpenters. <laughs> And I looked at my mother. I was horrified that my choice was, you know, not there, that it was this song I'd never, ever heard of. I looked at my... I was furious until this woman started singing. And, oh, my goodness me, I was hooked. Mm. 
I'd never heard such a golden, luxurious voice in my life. I made my father go to Port Albert on the Monday to go and buy me the uh, the LP of The Carpenters. And I have to say, I never, ever, ever stopped playing it. And then I bought it on tape. Then I bought it on CD. And her voice has got this most golden spun legato that you've ever heard in your life it's seamless and well it's an unforgettable voice instantly recognizable and well unforgettable heartwarming when i was young i'd listen to the radio waiting for my favorite song stunning karen carpenter do you agree with me when i say that that her voice is um underrated Completely. Yeah. Completely. I think she should be one of the, well, I think she should be number one in the Female Hall of Fame, really, for recognisable, glorious, top quality voices. It's just, and, you know, a tragedy we lost her again so young. Imagine what she would have gone on to have done. And I think she would have been there in in various halls of fame and, and maybe even on the stage as well, you don't know. Without a doubt without a doubt and you know every every song that you hear of the carpenters you just remember it you sing along to it and it's instantly recognizable and you know it's them their unique sound you're listening to music was my first love with soprano rebecca evans our 50th guest choosing 10 of her favorite songs you've performed at some great operatic venues throughout the world do you have a favorite i think probably the royal opera house is my very favorite in the uk Mm-hmm. Wales Millennium Centre is great. My favourite American house is the Metropolitan Opera with San Francisco close second. And I've sang at a lot of them, really. Yeah. Imagine that Santa Fe is, is open air. And yet the acoustic is sensational. You know, they knew they know where to put the money when they design these opera houses there. They spend it on acoustics. And even though it's open at the back of the stage, there was no roof when I sang there, when Bryn sang there first. You know, Bryn and I both made our American debuts in that house. But probably, yeah, the Metropolitan Opera with the most glorious chandeliers you ever did see and the Royal Opera House. They're my favourites. And is there a favourite role that you've played? Well, again, I think in those houses, probably the role of Susanna Mm. in The Marriage of Figaro at Santa Fe, at the Met and at Covent Garden. It's a sparkling opera. It's an incredible role. I've sung, I started with Barbarina in that opera, recorded that with Sir Charles McHarris. Then I did about 134 performances of Susanna, the maid. Then I've done about 40 or 50 performances of the Countess. And my next role will, I'm sure, one day be the role of Figaro's mother, Marcellina. And then I will have done all the soprano roles in that <laughs> opera, which is a great achievement. Yeah. But this is really one of the most sparkling operas that Mozart ever wrote. And it starts with this glorious, glorious overture. And you know from the first that you're in for a treat. And at that moment, I'm usually standing at the stage waiting for my first entrance, scared to death. But the overture in a funny way 
calms you down and puts you in such a good place and instantly puts you into character. Your next choice is already, I think, regarded as a classic. It comes from, I have to say, one of my favourite albums ever, the original recording of Fields of Gold from Sting. Oh, isn't this beautiful? Mm. I've been really lucky, you know. I've worked with Sting quite a few times over the years. We've done several projects together. He's become lovely friend, he and his wife, and my family and I, we've been to stay at his house a couple of times, and my goodness me, he's just a lovely, generous human being, very kind, and his music, I think, is incredible. From the days of the police, when I was a fan, when I was in sixth form, again, dancing away to every track, I was a huge fan of everything that uh, they ever produced. And then Sting is a solo artist. He is, again, a consummate musician. Mm -hmm. And he's an honest performer and paints his lyrics so beautifully and makes everything so believable. He's a great chap and I really like him a lot. Don't forget the sun in his jealous sky as we walk in fields of gold. Rebecca, although this series will hopefully be repeated for many years to come, I wanted to ask you about the effect that the coronavirus has had on the arts, and in particular live theatre, since March 2020, and as we sit here today at the beginning of February 2021. Please God, the virus becomes a part of our history, but is it something that the theatre can and will recover from? We hope so. I mean, it's decimated my profession, really. How we ever restart is... Goodness me, I don't know. We almost have to start at the beginning yeah. and look back to how opera started in very small groups. I think the day of the great spectacle of production is on hold for quite some time. And I think, you know, the time of Mozart, Bach and Handel will see a renaissance, a, a rebirth because it will involve smaller groups of people. But, you know, singing is such a basic necessity. Music is a necessity to us all. It's so healing. Mm. I, I, I can't imagine a world without live music. You know, it's all, Zoom is great. And, you know, all the live streaming, we've been fortunate enough to see that. I mean, it's been wonderful, but we need to hear the human voice, the mm. first instrument. And, you know, an instrumentalist, we, it's the best way we, exp it's, it's my best way of expressing myself through the medium of music. You know, I'm not particularly good with words, but I can convey a sentiment through music, as can all, all my colleagues. And God willing, we all meet together again in some form of live music in, well, before too long. Well, I hope so. And, and one of the ways I see it is that I think people will always go to the theatre to see a, a musical, to see a play, to see a movie. But what about the actual theatre houses themselves, which are standing empty with no income? Do you know, it breaks my heart to think of the Wales Millennium Centre in, in darkness. Mm. We need to make sure that we keep people interested and find ways of tempting them back into these theatres. We'll all be nervous whether we all come back in smaller groups wearing masks, socially distanced in yeah. the theatre. 
it is an expensive, I, some would call it an extravagance compared to the money we need for medicines and protecting everybody with vaccines. But it's also something that feeds our soul. Yeah. It, it is heartbreaking to think no one is sitting in these theatres at the moment. Yeah. And, and you hit the nail on the head, actually, when we were messaging and trying to, to set up a date uh, for this interview. You wrote to me and said, well, as long as the theatres remain closed, I'm always here. You know, you're, yeah. you're not going anywhere. No, I'm not going anywhere. And, and I can't believe I haven't sung in public for, well, it's nearly a year now. My family, we, lo we locked down on March the 12th because my husband is in a vulnerable group. He suffers from multiple sclerosis. Right. And we've, we've had to keep him very safe. And it's been very hard for my son, who was a student in his last year, you know, studying for his finals. And it's very hard on his age group, particularly, I think. Yeah. But I, I just can't believe I, I haven't sung on a stage for, for a year. I, I don't want to sound selfish about that. Oh, I am practicing. Good. And the lovely, the lovely thing is I'm singing things that I would not normally sing in public. I sang my way through Madame Butterfly last Friday. I sang Tosca the week before, and I'd never be these heroic, incredible characters. But in my house in Penarth, I am. I'm driving my family and the cat, Figaro. <laughs> insane, I'm sure, but tough <laughs> it's my little bit of self-indulgence i've just i've just got this beautiful mental image les dawson used to have a character which was based on two women gossiping over the garden fence i've just got visions of you and Bryn oh. singing in the garden yes that's us <laughs> do you know we got so close to performing a performance of verdi's falstaff in the royal opera house last week of november but of course it was cancelled mm. and we have one scene that is very tricky together so he would literally stand at the gate and sing the phrase and I'd sing my phrase and then we just practice it that way and he'd say yep yeah, you're doing good Evans <laughs> off you go <laughs> now Rebecca my knowledge of opera is limited I will be honest so what can you tell me about your penultimate choice Benedictus oh this is music by uh, the incredible Welsh composer Carl Jenkins golly I've been fortunate to sing so much music through my, as I said earlier, 36-year career. I sang in one of Carl's birthday concerts at the Wales Millennium Centre, and this piece was actually played as a cello solo. Like most of Carl's music, is actually heaven-sent. Probably want this one at my funeral. I'm not planning to have that for quite oh, no. some time, but it is probably some of the most beautiful music ever written, written by a Welshman from, from Penclaus, who is one of the humblest, kindest, nicest people you could ever wish to meet. And he really is a genius and is probably the Mozart of our era, actually. Don't know where his inspiration comes from, but it is certainly heaven sent. <laughs> One of your great passions, Rebecca, I understand, is coaching young singers, isn't it? Yes, very much so. Can you very teach much so. someone to sing? It gives me such joy. Can you teach <gasps> someone to sing, or is it about nurturing a talent that they're born with? I, I think the voice has to be there. Some kind of voice has to be there. I've tried to teach my husband to sing, and he is completely tone deaf. So I've really failed with him. But I think 
it's great if there is a basic talent there that can be built on. I think the, if the basic foundation is there and the building blocks can be added gradually, it's so exciting. And if you can teach someone a technique, I mean, my goodness me, my singing teacher is 96. I speak to her five times a week. I was speaking to her seven days a week up until three weeks ago and we decided we'd have the weekend off because otherwise we'd we think we'd have nothing to talk about but we still manage 42 45 minutes wow. every day always asks me how long did we speak today darling i said only 42 minutes today laura oh darling we'll do more tomorrow <laughs> and you know we we have such fun and she is still inspiring and i learned something from her at least two or three times a week she tells me gives me a little bit of little nugget of information that I write down and store in my grey matter that hopefully I can pass on and that it will be of some use to someone and I think we've been together for 39 years and I think the reason our relationship has survived is that we have such a mutual respect for each other and she has nurtured me every step of the way and there isn't a role that I haven't taken to her and that we haven't gone through together and that we haven't enjoyed and laughed about and had little imaginations about how the character would be. She has taught me so much and I really hope I can pass some of those building blocks on to people that are coming up through the ranks and will make great singers of the future. Composed in 1786 by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, your final choice on this 50th edition of Music Was My First Love, recorded in 2007, yeah. is Marriage of Figaro, which we talked about briefly yeah. earlier. Do you know, my husband knows this, Mozart would have been the only man that I would have left him for, <laughs> and he knows that. <laughs> I think the love affair I've had with Mozart has been ongoing and will continue for years and years to come. He is my number one all-time favourite composer. This is a, an opera that I knew when I was first 11, when my father bought me a recording of it for my 11th birthday. And I think I might have mentioned earlier that this is the overture. It is such fun. You can dance to it. You can sing along to it. It absolutely sets the theme of happiness and intricacy for the most amazing three and a half hours of the Marriage of Figaro opera that you have after it. It's joyous and effervescent and never fails to make me smile. As we've mentioned, you've played some of the most famous venues in the world and performed some of the greatest operas. So as you look back professionally, what would you say your proudest moment was? Here we go, I'll be all corny, giving birth to my son. Mm. <laughs> but career-wise... I think I've been very fortunate enough to be invited to Buckingham Palace to sing for the Queen and to sing for Prince Charles. My debut certainly at the Royal Opera House, mm -hmm. winning my Grammy and certainly being awarded uh, a CBE in the Queen's Honours List. That's incredible. But, you know, I think my proudest moment is being a wife and a mother yeah. and sustaining a career that I've sustained for 36 years with, with their unfaltering support, really. 
because I certainly couldn't have done it without them and without the love of music and the joy of music that's in my heart every day of my life. Rebecca Evans, it's been a real joy talking with you. Honestly, has and a great way to draw Series 3 of Music Was My First Love to a close. Thank you very, very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Music Was My First Love on Radio Glamorgan, where Welsh soprano Rebecca Evans has been choosing 10 of her favourite songs. I'm Andrew Wolfe, and join me again soon when someone else chooses 10 of their favourite tracks on another edition of Music Was My First Love. Music was my first love And it will be my last 